Welcome back to Beers and Brews. This week's movie is going to be Four Rooms, starring Tim Roth and a bunch of other people who aren't nearly as good. Maybe Antonio Banderas. Fellas, what'd you think? I was actually surprised at how many, like, guest stars, I guess you'd call them, are in here. Just like little, yeah. hey, that's that person. You know, yeah, I think you can call it a cameo. Like, they all have, like, a, you know, a solid bit in all their little, you know, quarters of the movie. There's good chunks for everybody just to get their time in the light. And there's very few people who really stand out as much as Tim Roth in this. No, no one stands out as much as Tim Roth. This is the Tim Roth story. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. But uh, Siegfried in the second room, he's pretty good, too. Just the way that him and uh, Ted bond. And he's just like, she's like, you bastard. And they both spin around and they're like, <gasps> both taken aback that she would call him that. So for those who don't know, Four Rooms is a film came out in 1995, uh, written and directed by four different filmmakers um and it's divided into four different segments that are all telling the story that happens on new year's eve night about a a brand new bellhop at this old hotel in hollywood and he is the main character in all four of these segments so i know robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino did like their little bit like who are the other two people um i wrote it down allison anders did the first section and alexander rockwell did the second one i don't know who either one of those people are but i'm sure imdb would uh enlighten us well the reason why i asked is because like besides the rodriguez one like the first two just felt like they were trying to make a quentin tarantino movie now that i think of it even quentin tarantino did <laughs> yeah, yeah you're not wrong but this like is picked up immediately with Ted getting like coached by the old veteran bellhop. And he's like, listen here, kid. I took Rin Tin Tin out for a shit one time. <laughs> like, I love and, that dude. He's just like old and grizzled and just like clearly seen like so much shit in this place. Like, whatever, I'm retired. There you go, kid. I tell you, stay away from the hookers, the married people arguments and uh, keep your cock in your pants. You'll be all right, kid. Yeah, he tells him to avoid literally everything that happens to him in this film. And this is like a classic like cartoon intro that so many movies used to do. Like, I remember yeah. seeing these in, God. A lot just, of 90s movies. Yeah, I was going to say, just every other 90s movie that I watched growing up had some kind of weird, goofy cartoon intro. See, I get like Odd Couple vibes from it. Like, uh, I think I remember there being like a, an animated short or whatever very much like this as being an intro to maybe it was the odd couple movie or something i don't know it it was very reminiscent of that to me i mean perhaps but but our first little story is ted and the coven which is uh subtitled as the missing ingredient and this whole thing takes place in the honeymoon suite the fucking the room itself looks like some sort of greek palace at first it's got this weird cauldron bath and as he ushers in all these different quote-unquote witches madonna included it gets more and more (laughs) from like greek to hippie it had this like weird like uh wiccan vibe or whatever you know they're just all witches trying to like cast a spell so they can like resurrect some like was it some fellow witch or some goddess or something like that the goddess yeah they kept calling her a goddess but she's like a a, a person you know like she was in that that suite before so i imagine that's just what they call her witches right sure yeah. why not they're just trying to make some like stew or whatever you know to make sure she comes back in one piece 
but I feel like they've got a pretty good range of the different like genres or subgenres of uh, of witch. There, you've got Madonna and her little like black latex dominatrix outfit. You got a couple of them with their titties out. One of them looking like you know <laughs> she probably she yeah. probably just got back from Lilith Fair. Oh, so like Catwoman witch, titty witch, other titty witch. Yeah, titty <laughs> witch too. <laughs> we get to see them, and they're all doing their thing, and they have like. God, an ingredient that they all had to bring. And that's so unimportant because what you end up focusing on the entire time is the way that Tim Roth is going about his routine. He's just <laughs> sashaying around and like tipping up his little bellhop hat. And he's got so much fucking swagger. It's ridiculous. And I love it. It's Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. He is so animated through this whole thing. But especially here when... Okay, like everybody has their their own little thing, like you know, a year's worth of tears. You got a virgin's blood or whatever. I was kind of hoping like one of them would have like a really mundane ingredient, then that would be like the sub joke to the jizz joke. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, hey, did you bring the cum? Nope. Okay, well, I I remember the Arby sauce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, who forgot to bring the sriracha? <laughs> Well, they did have, like, uh, they did need to bring, like, ginger or something like that. That's close enough. Just, you know, a little bit of that spice. And the other joke would be, like, the ginger's an actual person. You know, haha. Uh, Madonna gives him a tip and puts it in her titties. And I love the way that he's, like, kind of <laughs> spinning in a little half circle, looking around left and right. Reaches over, snatches it out, clears his throat. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> just walks away. <laughs> Given that you called him animated a little bit earlier, like he's definitely just a cartoon of this entire thing. It's almost like the little intro never stopped. Yeah, he's like, uh, like I don't even remember what it's from, but like the wolf who sees something and his eyes just pop out of his head, tongue oh. hangs down, like dripping. Oh, Is it that? Yeah, he's like um, Cameron Diaz was on deck singing and Jim Carrey just turns into a wolf and goes like, Auga. Yeah, that hurt. sounds about right. Yeah, that's what he is. Yeah, he does a really good job of that. Now, Needing cum. They're like, <laughs> get the bellboy back in here, bang it out of him, or whatever you want to do, and toss it in the stew. And she's like, okay. So he shows up, and they're like, here's 50 bucks. Make Eva smile. But he doesn't get it. So he's yeah. over there standing across the room, like, tweaking an ear and making the weirdest fucking noises. Like, help me out yeah, here. He tries to be a clown or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, this girl very attractive wearing nothing but like a plaid skirt topless and he's just like oh uh i am gonna do a magic trick or something i don't you know what she wants yeah and she has to explain it to him via witch exposition uh that is explained through a harry potter and the porno of azkaban photo Ooh, azkaban mm. <laughs> But, like, this photo has, like, a BDSM scene play out while he's watching. And he's like, oh, my. And then she's like, yeah, I need your cum because I swallowed the last load. And he goes, you gunked. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. I just love how Tim Roth, you know, given that his uh, predecessor said, hey, you know, keep your cock in your pants. He goes, like, listen, this is my job. I can't do any of that to just like, oh, yes. Yeah. And... She hits him with some kind of laser eye beam that makes his dick hard as granite. And he's like, oh no, Betty's going to be so mad. And this witch, being somewhat considerate, I suppose, is like, oh no, is Betty like your girlfriend? She goes, no, my boss. He's, she's like, oh, well, get in here. It's almost like the bit uh, that Renfield had in Dracula Dead and Loving It. Like when all those women are creeping on him in the bed. 
Oh yeah. He he uh he does the deed, and apparently Ted the bellhop is one of the best pipe laying madmen around because this witch is like, look, you're gonna call me, and he's like, I will. Like if he's that animated during sex as he is with his just like general facial expressions, the man's probably a king. Okay. Oh now, no, it's got some like weird Roger Rabbit vibes or something. Yeah. Oh, so he's like down there like. <laughs> oh shit but then the rest of the witches come in they're like hey did you get to come and she's like hell yeah i did it's in the stew already and then they it's do the a, uh, yeah, they, they do a billywitchdoctor.com thing and they're like rise diana arise chicken i yeah i definitely wrote down arise chicken arise yeah, and uh, what comes out is this blonde, like, Anna Nicole Smith-looking girl. Was that Anna M- Nicole Smith? I didn't look at the credits, but it looked just fucking like her. I don't know. Like, the 90s was a really hard time for differentiating blondes. You're right, yeah. It's like, is that Sable? Is that Pam Anderson? It's all the same. Well, as he, like, high-fives all the witches on his way to the elevator, like, he gets to go to his next room. Apparently, there's, like, a party happening or whatever, like, a couple floors up. Yeah, in room 404 or 409 or something like that. It doesn't matter. I mean, it kind of matters. Yeah, it's just well, one of them. It doesn't but, matter. What matters is he's here. So when he shows up to the door, he, like, knocks on it. He's got fucking chewing gum and a cigarette that he puts in the goddamn ice and sh- 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 shakes it around so you can't see it. Ted, Ted's a little bit of a scumbag. Yeah, but, I mean, when they called him down there, they kind of sounded like dicks, too. I was going to say, this is his first night on the job. Like, he hasn't even been there long enough to, like, develop that disgust for patrons just yet. Uh, I feel like Ted's about 30 here. I think that's long enough. Just, you know, living out in the world, you get that disgust for people. It only gets amplified the second he steps inside this goddamn room. Because uh, he's thinking that he's delivering ice to a party to where he actually walks in on some psychosexual fetish scene playing out. And this is the second section. We're into the second section now. This is called The Wrong Man. As soon as he walks in, there's a fucking 44 Magnum pointed into his face. And he's like, ah! <laughs> He gets fucking <laughs> pistol whipped. And, uh, like, he sees a... Wo- Before he gets pistol whipped, there's a woman tied to a chair, you know, gagged. Gets pistol whipped. And the next thing we see, he's, like, starting to wake up. And he's like swimming like doggy paddling on the carpet or something yeah he has like some kind of dream which is like great for him but like mundane for everybody else i forgot what happened yeah i don't know but i'm sure the guy what's his name siegfried is probably just like look at this motherfucker what does he think he's doing kind of makes you think like how long was he down there before they actually said something definitely a little bit because he gets him up and he's got no patience now he's like your name's theodore (laughs) you know ted not knowing that he's actually looking for a different Theodore is like, what? How do you know that? And it immediately escalates from fucking zero to a hundred. He's like, Real you quick. can't be coming in here without fucking nibbling on my girl's ear. And he's like, say what? And he's like, get over there and fucking nibble like a little rabbit, Teddy. <laughs> then he starts like uh, uh, accusing him of sleeping with his wife. And he's like, I demand an apology. And I have no idea what's going on during this part. I don't know if he thinks he's a different person or if he's just into something weird. I don't know. But uh, yeah, 
Well, it turns out it almost feels like, like you know, this whole thing, he just wanted to, like, cuck the situation or whatever. You know, he just, like, whomever would have come to the door, he would just, like, played out the exact same thing regardless. Yeah, definitely. And I wasn't sure if that might be a thing. Like, is he actually going to have him fuck his wife or something like that? I've seen this movie before, uh, way back in probably the year 2000 on IFC, and I remember bits and pieces of it. I don't remember any of this part. I think of all the four sections in this movie, this is like the one that's the most tonally departed from the rest. Because like, you know, you have Tarantino and like the Tarantino clones, but this one's like a, almost like a dark comic booky feel, like almost Sin City in color. Yes. I, I agree with you on that. I do think it's uh, it matches up a little bit more with the rest of the movie when uh, he gets into the bathroom from that point on. I feel like it matches a little bit more tonally with the rest, but this section, it's a little bit more serious, but still nonetheless like a dark comedy. Yeah, it's a, it's a little nutty in there. Yeah, he's got him like playing out all these psychosexual fantasies and making Ted do things until finally he like has a little bit of a snap and he's like, Theodore, and he goes, that's it. No one's going to call me Theodore ever again. <laughs> Not since they called me Theo the Thumper. And <laughs> that doesn't even sound like a bad name, to be honest. Oh, well, that little Lord Fontaroy. Have you ever worn a bonnet? Give it a try. He's just so over the top. And him and Siegfried have this moment of bonding, which is really weird. Because, yeah. like, he's got a gun to his head, and suddenly Ted has the gun. And then Siegfried sees it, and Ted sees it, and Ted's like, oh, and just hands it back to him. And it's just like, it's like oh, oh, I didn't mean to have that. This whole thing, like, climaxes into, like, this weird, like, bromance kiss or whatever. And everybody's, like, equally confused, even the guy who initiated it. I definitely was. I wasn't sure if, like, Siegfried was... I don't... I don't... I still don't know. I still don't know. But that's right about when he has a heart attack. Or uh, pretends yes. to have a heart attack. I don't... I still don't know. Who knows? You know, some kind of test or whatever. Like, hey, we're going to fake this aneurysm or something. If you don't get the pills in time, we know you're a bad guy. Like, what? Yeah, so the wife is tied to the chair. Siegfried has the heart attack or whatever. And the wife's like, medicine cabinet. Go in the bathroom, get the nitro pills. So he starts going in, digging around. And eventually he sees a window. And he's like, that's what I'll do. I, you know, fuck this guy. I'll leave him to die. I'm going to jump out of this window. Now, I don't want to breeze over what's in the medicine cabinet. When he opens it up, it's like 30 different fucking pill bottles. Yeah. Ten different tincture bottles and a slew of rubbers. Oh, yeah. They're just, like, dangling out of the medicine cabinet. And this is for a hotel. Are these guys staying here, like, for long term or, like... This is one good weekend for Siegfried. I guess. I mean, good on him. <laughs> but this is one of the defining shots for me. Once he tries to escape out of the window and you realize he is on, like, the sixth floor of this building at this point... So there's nowhere to go, and he's just hanging half in, half out, stuck out of this window, just wriggling, and, like, it's filmed parallel to the wall. It's almost Wes Anderson-y. Definitely. You know, per se, like, how he shows space between walls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so, like, as he's, like, wriggling around in this window, there's a fella in the room above him, which happened to be the room that called him in the first place. Mm -hmm. And he's not looking so hot. He, he looks like he's kind of struggling. Yeah, he, he, looks, shouts. he looks just like the partied out friend from Wayne's World. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was just dude chilling in the back of the uh, gremlin. Yep. But he's hanging out the window and he looks up at him. And he's like, can you please call the police? Uh, are you all right? And then he just dumps this parade of vomit onto his face. 
<laughs> yes, and he fucking comes <laughs> shooting back in the window, bounces off the fucking towel rack, smashes off the toilet. It's like <laughs> so animated. Did it actually get on him or whatever? Because like when he hit the floor, he was like perfectly clean. I thought I saw some like on his lapel and on his like shirt. Uh, yeah, he but... brushes it away. Oh, okay. He emerges from the bathroom and he sees that Siegfried is now face down, ass up, dead, quote unquote. <laughs> and fucking Angela, the woman, is tipped over and he has to help her up. And she's like, oh my God, did you get the nitro pills? And he's like, I couldn't find them. And she goes, well, let me loose. I'll find them. And suddenly Siegfried's up and he goes, huh, it's just so good to know that you cared. And instead of Angela getting excited, Ted goes, Siegfried! And fucking <laughs> rushes to him. <laughs> oh, like, it was an amazing event. Like, this guy, he went from, like, dead. You know, he's always like, Jesus, he just rose again. Yeah, this guy that just, like, held, pistol-whipped him and then held this magnum to his head. He's now excited that he's alive. Doesn't have to, you know, call the cops, I guess. That's like yeah. falling in love with, like, the jail keep or something like that. Or, like, the Nightingale Syndrome, or whatever it's called. Stockholm Syndrome? Now... It's really cute because she's like, you bastard, why would you do that? Whenever she says bastard, they both turn directly to the camera like, oh, Angela. It's just so fucking ridiculous. And then she sees that they're having a moment and she has to fucking stop that. She goes, Ted, how can you be so friendly with him when you fucked me with your big cock? <laughs> yeah, it's like... His whole backstory turns into fucking James Hogg or whatever. She starts, yeah, yeah. Rattling, what all these, she starts rattling off all these, like, dick euphemisms and just doesn't stop. Now, my favorite part's, like, when she's like, when you were inside me telling you you would give me a better life. You disgust <laughs> me. And he's like, show it to me. Show me your big, <laughs> huge cock. And he's just, like, fucking has this moment of clarity to where he turns towards the door and it shows, like, a slow-mo dash of him he's running just like, so ridiculous out of it. He's just yeah. like, I've got to get the fuck out of here. He just now thinks of that. <laughs> yeah, so Rumple Foreskin runs out of the door and passes the real Theodore, who then takes his place. And as soon as he walks in, this scene ends exactly as it started. He's like, hey, I'm Theodore from 404. He's like, what matters is you're here. So they're just going to start uh, it right back up. Yeah, the exact same run of dialogue from the very beginning of the scene. I don't know that dude's name is like not Harvey Keitel, but like he's a great actor because he was just on the ground having a breakdown and he's already ready to go again. Yes. So, of course, he scurries out of the room. He escapes. But now we're on to our third section. And the name is the misbehaviors. This is Robert Rodriguez's section. And I have to admit, this is my absolute favorite part of the movie. Like everything yeah, without... about this is like the perfect escalation of issues. Without a doubt, this is the best section. Yeah, like, they could have did just a short film of this room, and it would have been fine. Like, if all I, the four rooms was, was this, I'd so be, be perfectly fine with that. It's just, like, Antonio Banderas is fantastic in this role. He's, like, almost like a mafioso Gomez from Adam's family. Uh, yeah, he's got that little pencil mustache like Gomez Adams, but he's always angry all the time. Through the whole thing, he's just, like, scowling. And you can kind of get the hint of they're kind of like, you know, shitty parents because their kids are just always misbehaving. And the premise is super simple. It's basically they want to go out and fuck. They call the bellhop up to just keep an eye on the children. But the children are kind of just, you know, rascals. It starts out, you know, Antonio Banderas and his wife and their two very young kids, probably, what, five, six, seven, somewhere in there? No, I'd say probably like between nine and eleven. No, they're 
There's no way they're that old. Too soon. Let me let me look these up, so we can. Uh, Glad get... you got that, Eric. <laughs> oh. I was saying the only thing between that she's like a slash. <laughs> I mean, nine's pretty good. We don't have to look into it. <laughs> they're just kids. Okay, he was born in '86. This came out in '95, so he was nine. Uh, yeah, that that's older than I expected. Anyhow, there's you know there's little <laughs> kids. Anyhow, you know of course they're little kids and they're up to no good. You know they do shit like you know drink liquor out of the bottle, smoke their dad's cigarettes, which I think you know they're kind of cool with because like Antonio Banderas is trying to like style their hair or whatever mm-hmm. to spite the wife, of course. And he just like picks up his little roach. He's like, mm, I'm cool too. Yeah, he takes a couple like I don't know if they're real puffs or fake puffs, but he's just like I don't know going through the motions with this cigarette as he's getting his hair kind of did he's getting his hair ripped out like fucking just they've added sound effects so it just sounds horrible like if you were dragging a rake through a fucking shag carpet yeah yeah and it doesn't even stick he's like yeah i gotta pull it back i go papa and then like two seconds later like it's like nothing even touched it and he just like tore this kid's scalp off but the mom is doing the same thing to the daughter and he's like just go and she's like you you go too he goes fuck these kids let's have fun tonight they can stay here with the babysitter. Well, who's the babysitter? The TV. And then they they sneak out and they do the thing a parent does. They wait like 10 seconds outside the door. Mm-hmm. And then they open the door real quick. And sure enough, the kids are in there fucking going bananas already. I love how they didn't even make a noise. They were just like cut frame in the room. Yeah. Back. Before he leaves, he says, be in bed by 12. Don't misbehave. Walks back in. I said, don't misbehave. Says the... <laughs> As the, the little boy is trying to uh, escape out of the, the bedroom window. <laughs> but the, the bellhop left the bottle of champagne there in the room, too. So, you know, that's going to come back. Yeah, like Ted's there to deliver the champagne they asked for as they're leaving. And he's like, I want you to watch my children. He goes, oh, sir, I can't. I, I'm very busy. I, can't, I cannot do that. And he goes, I will pay you $500. And he's like, oh, oh okay. And he's like, I want you to check in every 30 <laughs> minutes and... Make sure that they don't misbehave. And he goes, ah, your children are a pain in the ass. He goes, I agree. They are a pain in the ass. It's fucking hilarious. And then they end up in the elevator with this badass. Like, he kicks the button, gives her a dip and a kiss pose. And you're like, that's fucking cool. Like, Antonio Banderas is, like, the epitome of style at this moment. Yeah, that's when uh, my roommate definitely said, yep, this is a Robert Rodriguez film. <laughs> but so those I little wanna... kids are spy kids? <laughs> But I want to go back to the little bit of dialogue between uh, Ted and Antonio Banderas when he's like, you want $500? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it for $500. What about $300? Then he starts paying him. There you go, $300. He's like, you said $500. Are you calling me a liar? The last thing you said is what counts, and you said $500. You say $500 one more time. It's a deal. It's like, okay, $500. There it is. He works him down, and he's just like, I like your moxie. Feel free to slap my kids in the face later. <laughs> and he yeah, he does. does. Oh, now something that we forgot to mention, which they bring up probably about ten times, is something stinks in this room. Yeah, it first starts out like the little girl says that it's a boy's feet, and he's like, "No, it's not." Then the little boy is like, "No, it's your foot, your feet that stinks." Shut the fuck up, uh, you know, and. Here's where you know Quentin Tarantino's involved. Yes, I was going to say there's some <laughs> unnecessary foot imagery in this movie for whatever reason. Okay, I've got that written here. 
let, let me let me walk the audience through this. So yes, please. Ted is trying to be like that overbearing babysitter. He's like, "Don't break the rules, and I won't break your neck." And he snaps his fingers, and it like zooms in on his face, like <clears throat> gritting his teeth hard, which is fucking great. <laughs> and he leaves, and he's like, "If you behave, I'll bring you milk and cookies." So the kid turns on porno. And the girl dials downstairs. And he's like, porno's not on. Now fucking leave me alone. And this is where we know Tarantino has had his hand in here somewhere. Because there is fucking child foot fetish bait. And it's weird as shit. And in it my notes, I have TARANTINO written in all caps. You can definitely see like the image similarity. Like when she's like laying on the bed. But then she's like, hey, come over and smell my feet. And he's just like creeping over I was like these are kids what is he doing yeah and, and it like, focuses so in. heavily on like yeah it, it zooms in straight on the like the sole of her feet yeah and the little toes wiggling as the mm-hmm. boy's nose approaches but then they try to turn it into more of a childish antic by kicking him in the face and mm-hmm. she takes oh. the remote slapstick saves the day it's not and you're like, aha that's not creepy and then the boy's like ah champagne and <laughs> We are treated to a little throwback to the scene earlier where he was with the sexual fetish people. The girl finds this big fucking needle. Yeah, it's like a comically large syringe in the drawer. Because he's asking for like a bottle opener while he's shaking up this bottle of champagne for whatever reason. She looks <laughs> in the drawer and it's like like a basketball pump or something. Like, it's a big ass needle. Oh, it's like a, it's like a Swedish penis pump? <laughs> yes. I swear, it's not mine. And of course, like any responsible child would do, they would turn it into a dart contest. For sure, yeah. before she pricks herself with it. She's like, pook, ow! Yeah, that's nasty. But this is also the second bit of toe fetish we get. Tarantino! Oh, I didn't notice this one. Oh, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I did. I know what you're talking about. The boy is sitting on the edge of the bed, admiring his own big toe before sucking it. Oh, he puts yeah. his own damn toe in his mouth. I thought, like, just from the sounds, he was going to, like, bite it off for whatever reason. I was just waiting on it the whole fucking time. Shit's weird. Yeah. Now, like Eric was saying, they're playing darts with this giant-ass syringe. And as they're getting ready to throw it for the second time, after they have already busted champagne and sprayed it about the room, uh, Ted bursts in, bringing milk and cookies, scratch that, saltines and milk. Milk and saltines. <laughs> My grandpa used to the... eat that stuff. Ew, it's like dipping your pizza in milk. What the fuck? No, no, no. It's, uh, you like crumble them up and it, you make it like a cereal. You pour milk over it, uh, and it's like a salty cereal. I don't know. He lived through the, de- the depression, man. Shit's weird. Man, that shit's depressing <laughs> me. Fuck. Uh. Oh. But I now, love the kid's reaction to it. It's pretty genuine. He's like, I thought we were supposed to get cookies. Takes a bite of stale crackers and they just huck it across the room. He's like, no, 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 no. Dip it in the milk. It makes it better. And they just like, dunk, dunk, bite. Hucks it away again. Yeah. The the way he says it and the way he, he acts this out. Like, I cannot give enough credit to his gesticulation and mannerisms throughout this film. So they're like, these crackers are stale. And it zooms in on Ted chest up wearing his bellhop outfit holding the glass of milk gingerly in his hand uh his face has this look of frustration yet forced smile and he just says dip it in the milk <laughs> just shaking milk out all over the place 
Yeah, he's trying to hold this, like, balance of, all right, let's say his own personality is this animated sort of cartoon uh, bit of his. But he also, like, this is, what, his first day of work as a bellhop, being the only person working in this building. He's putting on that, like, employee of the month kind of thing, but he's also getting really fucking frustrated with everything that's going on on this New Year's evening. Yeah, his voice and whole animation changes through the entire movie, too, from here on out. He's much more just like, yeah, and just yes. flailing about like crazy. Yeah, he's oh. turning into uh, Steve Martin at the end of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles when he's trying to get a car. <laughs> oh, Perfect. Nice. I like it. So after they sling their soggy crackers against the wall, he's like, lay down. I'm going to tuck you in and tell you a story. And he fucking rubs vapor rub on their out, like their eyeballs. He goes, like on the on the eyelids. On the eye, eyelids, yes. And he says, don't open your eyes. So it'll a burn, burn, burn. <laughs> and like the kid's trying to touch it. And he's like, whack. And then he tries to reach up again. He's like, whack. And the sounds are just so obtuse. It's just like, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, it's, it's complete cartoon sound effects. But it's perfect. And again, he's like, be good. I'll be back. And... The kids are like, man, something stinks. And he's like, it's your feet. And leaves. (laughs) Yeah, he says, like, it'll wear off by the morning. You'll get up. It'll be fine. Uh, Just sleep all night. I won't tell your parents that you drink champagne. And you think, like, everything's settled and whatever. And for whatever reason, outside, there's just, like, fireworks going off. Just, like, right next to the fucking building. I get that, but it's just they were so big and bright. Like, they're going to burn this place down or whatever. (laughs) And, of course, it disturbs the kids. And, like... The kid was right. Like, why didn't fucking good old Ted think to just wipe the shit off their face? Because that's exactly what they do. And they grill him for it, too. Yeah, the the little girl is definitely smarter than Ted because she just immediately is like, I'm just going to get up, go to the bathroom, I'll wash this off my eyes. And tells the little boy, like, hey, you can do that, too. It's not against the rules. They make that last call to the desk or whatever just to annoy Ted further. And when she mentions, like, what, you never thought to just wipe it off your face? And it's like when you hold in a sneeze, he was so fucking frustrated. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great face that he makes. But they're sitting there trying to watch cartoons. And she starts, like, doing a bloodhound, like, <laughs> sniffing around. Yeah, that stink keeps coming back. It's something. It ain't my, it ain't my feet. I smell it, but it's something. And they pull the mattress back. <laughs> <laughs> and stuffed inside is this lady dressed like Peggy Bundy. It's a oh, whore. Good call. No, no, it's a <laughs> And she's been beaten to death and stuffed into the fucking mattress. And technically stuffed into the box spring. The box spring. And <laughs> and the little boy somehow has a cigarette again. He's like, oh my god, cover it up, cover it up. And they cover her up. They call Ted. Hey, there's a dead woman. If you don't get up here right fucking now, I'm calling the cops. And, you know, basically gives him an ultimatum to get up there or whatever. And they hang up on him. And he's just on the other end of the fucking line, cussing, going nuts. (laughs) But they're not even there. No, I I love the fucking tirade that this little girl goes on to him. Like, no, it's a dead body. Shut the fuck up. Get up here. If you don't get up here, call the police and... If you don't get up here and call the police, my dad's going to destroy you. I swear to fucking God. And it's like a 10 or 11 year old girl saying this to this grown ass man. And it's kind of terrifying. Uh, so it's basically like rush hour. Just like press the goddamn button. Yeah, it's it's kind of exactly like that. 
Oh. But like the tirade that the kid misses because she like she hangs up. She's like, if I get up there and there's not a dead body up there, it's gonna be your dead body in that fucking bed. <laughs> this to me becomes the best fucking shit yeah. ever. Like you will be in tears if you've never seen this. So he's going off and he's like gonna go up there and check on the situation, but as he's going, boom, through the front lobby door, it's the parents, and he's like, Oh shit! And he crouches down, and his fucking face has this look of, like, panic and rush. And he's, like, scurrying, and he's running, and the fucking elevator's about to close, and he dives. And it's this ridiculous dive with his hands up and this face that just says, like, Wah! And he lands, and he pops up, and he's just got, like, a mouth agape. It's fucking hilarious. And he's he goes going full-on solid room. snake. Full-on yes. solid yeah. snake. But the difference is, like, the music in the background just screams Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> oh, 100%. And he goes busting in the room. Can't you smell? <laughs> like, the little boy's got a cigarette. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, there's a dead body. It's in the mattress. He goes, it's your fate. And she's like, well, then just look. And she pulls over the fucking mattress. And it does, like, a triple take of the corpse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the entire time the takes are happening, he's foaming fucking vomit out of his mouth. He's like, what the fuck? Of this. Yeah, it's so good. Like this this oatmeal looking vomit. He's like, Jesus fucking Christ! What the fuck is that? And it's just going everywhere. Oatmeal. You said the key word, my man. What I've got here today from Anderson Valley Brewing Company out of Boonville, California. I don't even know where that is. I've got Barney Flats Oatmeal Stout. Uh now this is a 5.7% alcohol by volume uh oatmeal stout. Smells like a stout. It's got a little bit of sweetness going on. Not overly sweet. Pretty dry, actually, compared to how it smells. It's a it's a fairly dry oatmeal stout. Full, full-bodied. Not as overly sweetened as you usually get from oatmeal stouts. But this is well-balanced. Not, not overly sweet. Not overly dry. Uh, it's a good, solid beer. Like, if you saw a small child with a bottle of taking a nip, would you run in and slap the bottle out of their face? Nah, he can probably have a sip or two. I mean, this, 5.7%, he could probably have half a can. Half a can. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be all right. He's like, he's got to hit it back up. He's like, mm-mm, get you another taste, kid. <laughs> Speaking of another taste, fucking, after he throws up this oatmeal-looking vomit all over the place, it's all over his chest... He rushes over, grabs the fucking phone, and the camera work here is what sells it. It's it's the children knocking over like all sorts of things to, to, to set up the mayhem to come. And it's just his face and his hands. Hello? His finger goes up in the air. Police! There's a dead fucking zoom in on nothing but like Tim Roth's gangly teeth and the vomit <laughs> crusted around his yeah. mouth. There's a dead fucking... <laughs> And the girl's just like, stop calling her that. And like stabs doesn't. him in the knee with a needle. Oh man. And that giant fucking needle. He's like, fuck. And, and we forgot about the cigarette that got slapped out of the boy's mouth. Cause it's catching the room on fire now. Yes. And in a little bit, like he has another cigarette in his hand. And when he gets like super busted, he tosses it behind him and the rest of the room goes aflame. Oh, it's so and good. Cause <laughs> Antonio Bernier is busted in the door. And there's like this still frame of Tim Roth 
holding the syringe he just jerked out of his leg while holding the leg of the dead hooker while the two children are standing there. One holds a bottle to club Tim Roth while the other holds a cigarette while the room is ablaze. And like at this point, it's very much like that gif that uh, it's a scene from Community with Donald Glover walking in, got the pizzas and just everything is chaos the room's ablaze and somebody's swinging around a cat or something like that i don't know it's very, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty much that and you think you know he's gonna wear tim roth out or kill him or whatever but he like walks in and he's like ah we'll have some splaining to do or something like that no 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 he walks in and is like he looks at tim roth did they misbehave and see. audience laughter yeah yeah, yeah. He just cuts it like into Frasier to fucking toss salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> but I think that is easily the best segment, uh, just for how ridiculous, how absurd it gets toward the end. I mean, all of it's a little absurd, but it just finishes in this cacophony of absurdity. It's it's good. And Ted's had it. So he like goes storming downstairs and calls his boss because he's gonna fucking quit. Oh. And her stoner pal, her stoner pal answers the phone. Okay, first of all, that's not even her pal. She doesn't know her, but it's Marissa Tomei. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's Marissa Tomei. And she's just, like, sitting there playing Sega Genesis, smoking a bowl after a party, trying to talk to, to Ted. And Ted's just like, can you put fucking Betty on the phone? Who's Betty? Does so is there somebody here named Betty? Who's Betty? This is Margaret. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> their little back and forth is so good. She's like, Ted, tell me about it. And so he's venting to her. And the first thing he says is like, first off, I was fucked by a coven of witches. And he goes, she says, an oven of witches? Not an oven, a coven. And she goes, Ted, what's the fucking problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, were they ugly? No. Well, what's the problem? Okay, that was actually the highlight of my evening. Let's skip the witches. <laughs> Skipping the witches. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 10-4. Uh, okay, second, there was a man with a gun who held me at gunpoint and made me play out this crazy uh, uh, fetish situation with his wife, and she's just like, want to skip that too? It's like, okay, yeah. It's it's really funny, the back and forth, until Betty finally gets on the line, and he's like, bitch, I quit. And she hears the penthouse buzzer going off. She goes, Ted, is that the penthouse? Please, that's the Chester Rush party, and basically, I need you to do whatever it takes to make them happy. Like, he tries his best to be like, no, fuck you, Kathy Griffin. I, I, I fucking quit. But she goes on a little tirade about how the Monsignor was the hotel of the movie star through the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Oh my God. And during the 80s, it was the official hotel of Canon Pictures. Yeah, and, you know, I don't give a fuck. I know you're freaking out, but just take care of the penthouse. They just probably want some champagne or something. They're really important people. Just, Ted, please just okay so he does and that sends us into our final section this is the man from hollywood this is quentin tarantino's actual piece yeah i like to call this reservoir dog <laughs> just dog just one what? uh so i was really amused by this because as soon as he gets off the elevator he's got a uh, cart full of random items that are later explained but he's greeted immediately by two women streaking by and someone in the background yelling, bitches, leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, when he gets into this room 
like I thought it was just QT right there. I didn't even see everybody else. They were just like passed out or whatever, blending in with the background. But evidently there are more people there than just Quentin Tarantino. But he is Chester Rush. I'm guessing he's some kind of a filmmaker or I don't know. He's rich. It doesn't matter who he is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually surprised he, you know, chose some like, you know, actor name and just not mm-hmm. play himself at that point because he's just Quentin Tarantino in this role. Correct. For sure. Uh, we're introduced to his two buddies. You have Norman, Jim Beam Norman, and Bruce Willis, his agent. And also there is Angie from the psychosex room. I guess uh, old Siegfried already passed out, so she's up there chilling now. As you do, of course. As you do. I think that's the only, like, little in-between through the, like, four parts. The only crossover? Yeah, besides the little phone call that apparently the kid made, the kidnapping room. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the only crossover. How ambitious. Now, they go on this tirade that is entirely too long and very pretentious about Crystal. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to go on the, uh, you were talking about the tirade about fucking Jerry Lewis that was entirely too long and pretentious. I Wait, these have different fucking sections? It's all one big fucking tirade. <laughs> it's all this was, is him talking at the camera. I think Quentin Tarantino yes. is on a lot of cocaine right here, and he just wants to talk. But yeah, you're right. Like, it's all Ted's point of view. The camera is just like Quentin Tarantino talking to the camera. I actually thought that Ted's part, um, Tim Roth, like 80 yard his role or whatever, because I can't see like, you know, an actor spending like, what, 20 minutes of the movie just behind the camera going like, oh, yes, you're right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. You know, it's like whatever. It's not even a part. I mean, you're not wrong. It does. But I will say this for, for Quentin. These are done in one take. He is talking forever. All in one shot. I mean, props to him for that, but the downside is he's talking forever. Yeah. His voice, his um, presence doesn't really demand attention. So, like, the more he gabs, the more just grating it is. Yeah, you're just kind of like, all right, get on with this. What What's this going to be? Is this just the ending of the movie or is there something here? And you find out that there is something here after he talks about Chris Dahl for half an hour or whatever it is. Yeah, and it, it just leads up to a cameo role by Bruce Willis. So really, he could have just saved his all time just by dragging the camera and like, look, it's a joke. I have Die Hard in the bedroom. Um, evidently, <laughs> evidently, uh, Bruce Willis got in kind of a lot of trouble for taking this role because he didn't get paid for it. Like he took it for free, and I guess the uh, what are the Screen Actors Guild really oh, didn't yeah. like that because he did a free job. What the fuck? You're rich as shit, and you're not wanting to get richer. Fuck this man. You're just having fun with your friends? I can't allow that. Yeah. Now, he gets propositioned, no homo, by the way, and they even make sure that you know, (laughs) no homo. He's like, I got something for you to do, not suck my dick or nothing. Unless you want to suck my dick. (laughs) Wink. And they go on to explain the man from Reno, a Hitchcock bit where a man bets a uh, car against a man's pinky if he can light his lucky lighter ten times in a row. Correct. he goes on to explain that he has a 1964 red, how he describes the red, I will not say, but you know it's Tarantino. Oh, yeah, I, that caught me oh, off guard, sweet. too. I was like... I didn't even know that was a shade of red. No, how is that a me shade either. of red? We're talking so about know. the N-word here, by the way, just for the... Yeah, we're not going to say it, but how is that a shade of red in any way? Is there something I don't know? Well, with Tarantino, there's always something afoot. Oh, <laughs> Got to have two things, feet and the N-bomb. There you so, go, boom, Django and chain. In fact. Now, it's the 1964 Chevy Chevelle, and if not 
he's going to cut his pinky off. And he goes, but listen, you guys need to understand something. I'm not some sick fucker driving around the country wanting to collect fingers. But I am attached to my car as much as Norman is attached to his pinky. So if he wins, I want him to have my car. But if I win, I want to win. So that's where you come in, Ted. And he's just like, you guys are drunk. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we are drunk. That's why we need you. We need you to make sure that this happens and it happens right. Like if this happens, we need somebody to put that shit on ice and get him out of here to the hospital so we can maybe get that sewn back on or something. Maybe, you know, you're just like the you sober know. driver of the night, by all means, you know. Their, their little back and forth there is really good. He goes, look, we don't want to hurt him. We just want to chop it off. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, it can't be that hard. You know, if they sewed a man's dick back on, how hard can it be? I love the drunkish logic they have to, like, you know, drape over each other in order to get this to happen. Yes, but it, it's actually, like, good logic, which is crazy. Yeah, kind so of. He tells him if he stays and listens to his proposition, then he can make $100. But if he stays and does the work, he'll get $1,000 for one second of work. And Ted goes, fuck it, I'm in. Yeah, he's wanting to scoot out of there before he listens to this 60-second proposition. But Quentin Tarantino makes a very compelling case here. It's better than the guy who bit his pinky. because He's just like, listen, I drive my sister's Honda. I need that red car from Pulp Fiction, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, but basically now, he puts that $1,000 out on the counter and Ted gets to the point where he's like, all right, $1,000 for one second worth of work. All right, I'll stay up here with you guys for a couple more minutes. And of course, this entire scene is building towards that. You know, there's like little hints towards like, oh, you know, what's the little uh, kitchen knife for? Oh, why do they have all these specific things? So it comes down to this fella lighting his lighter 10 times so he can win this car. This is honestly great. I love this. Tarantino treats this like a fucking band-aid. Because, like, the lighter doesn't even go off at all. He's like, click, what? Chop. Yes, it's fucking this build-up. You think we're going to have to wait through nine of these little Zippo flicks? And, like, you're ready for it. You're like, all right, let's do this. The first flick doesn't work. Chop. It's in and out like a Wes Anderson movie, honestly. It's not as effective, you know, as walking in on uh, Marcellus Wallace, just, you know, getting the fucking wrong end of that gimp suit. But, like, you know, it's pretty shocking. <laughs> also, Bruce Willis was there. <laughs> oh, man, he was. But my, my exact notes say this. Flick, chop, swipe, stroll, scramble. No buildup, underlined, immediate finger chop, okay, bye. And yeah. he just struts the fuck out of there. Fuck yes. The swag <laughs> and the movie, never stops. And the movie's just like, well, we're over. Credits. Like, even over the scene. The scene hadn't ended yet. Like, people are still scrambling and screaming and stuff. And he's just like, it's over. Yeah, Norman's back there screaming out of the shot in pain because he just lost his pinky. Ted just dances the fuck out of there. And the credits are rolling past everything. Like, this is all you need to see. We're good. And somebody isn't... Uh, Quentin Tarantino, who's just like drunkenly, I got the finger. To me, this movie is fun. Um, the first section is a little bit whatever. The last section until the the payoff near the end is whatever. But the psycho sex and the misbehaviors are always going to be standouts to me. And fuck, if you've ever seen someone carry an entire film on their back, Tim Roth is a hero here. 
Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. By the end of this movie, he must have been tired for having the shit on his shoulders for the entire time. Uh, in my opinion, most of this movie kind of falls flat, unfortunately. Like, 75% of it, or something like that. It's really obnoxious, and there's like that weird 90s comedy feeling sometimes, where it's like, hey, this is funny because it's a joke. Not because you think it's funny, it's because we're trying to make a joke. And that was kind of weird. I feel like this movie should have taken the extra leap and made it even more hectic. Instead of having like four segments, it should have been about this guy, you know, having to service all these rooms with all these like weird things in them. Like, they didn't necessarily have to be non sequiturs. And I felt like maybe the ending could have had a more cohesive ending. Uh, yeah, I actually enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to. Like, I didn't remember it being this absolutely absurdly goofy, uh, but I'm fine with that. Uh, Tim Roth did a pretty good job just being his ridiculously animated self. And yeah, a couple of the, the scenes were kind of whatever. The first and the second were kind of whatever to me. Enjoyable enough, but whatever. The third one is by far the best to me. The misbehaviors with Antonio Banderas. And then the fourth finishes hot. So overall, yeah, I would recommend this. It's not a work of art or anything, but it sure is fun. Well, there you have it. That's four rooms. If you have any strong feelings about the show or the movie, leave it in the <laughs> comment sections below. Uh, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button too. Hit the little bell icon so you know next time we get another one of these brewing. Get out there and follow us on all the different social media accounts. We got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. We're on Spotify now. We're also on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, I believe. Man, Are we're we on fucking... Apple now. Shit. Hell yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we're distributed through Anchor to both. Um, thanks, Anchor. So, uh, you know, check out all those things, or you know, uh, we'll chop off your little pinky. And cut.